Hi. I got a tape I want to play. Just what do you think you're doing, Dave? Your move, creep. Take me to the volcano! So why don't you make like a tree and get out of here? Come with me if you want to live. This town needs an enema. Like I said, I need a bacchiatomy. Yes, that's a human ear, all right. I got a bad feeling about this. So it's come to this. It has. We're a good back. one. We're back, baby. Finally, a good one. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> We're back on top. No, guys, really, really. <laughs> Stick around, I swear. Don't. This is a good one. So we've talked recently about how much we've watched Italian horror movies together. Yeah. We've this, watched a ton of them. This is a movie podcast. Yes. So it's a good thing. I, I'm Charlie. I'm Eric. We are here to talk about a movie. And yeah. We were talking a lot continue. recently. We've watched a lot of Italian movies together. A lot of these. Love them. Yeah. Big... Uh, Big hit with all of us. <laughs> we haven't talked about a lot of Italian horror movies on the podcast yet. the The ratio's way off. Yeah, we've only talked. We've only done like the Beyond and very, very recently Demons. Yes. So, and I love both of those. And we talked in Demons how we were going to be doing more Italian stuff to justify our. You know. <laughs> <laughs> right. We need the cred too. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> The, mo- the movie nerds out there know that uh, Italian movies are. This was just like the amazing. these. They were like the holy grail for in the tape tape era. You know. Oh, I bet. Like it was. It was a lot harder to get zombie and stuff like that on VHS than it is now to to see it everywhere. You, you, we watched Opera, the Dario Argento movie, our first Argento movie. On ever. the podcast. On the podcast. Yeah. We're, we're starting at the end, I guess. And it's like the... We've probably seen every other noteworthy. I've seen almost every Argento other than his... Guys, we've seen him. ...last 20 years. Yeah. I love I haven't him. seen any of those. No, discovering Argento as a young man is like discovering a whole new dimension of horror. Oh, yeah. You're like... used. You, you know, we grew up in the 2000s and the 90s where it's like hack and slash... And this and that. And then you go further back. And American horror movies are great and campy in the 80s. But, and Italian movies are great and campy in the 80s. (laughs) These Argento movies that feel so much like hammer horror movies. Mm. But with absolute, like, the sleaziest, trashiest gore (laughs) possible. Like, not that class that those late 50s, early 60s Hammer films brought, but just Hammer class with just the grisliest deaths (laughs) and, like, violent, horrific murders, and you know you gotta have just more eyeball stuff than the average man can handle. Guys, we're getting back into the eyeball stuff again. I feel like we dipped (laughs) in and out of eyeball stuff in this podcast. Yeah. We're back in it, baby. Yeah, but so we were laughing earlier because it's kind of funny we're start, starting on opera out of all the other I Argento know. movies. This is the one we've seen most recently, but there's it's not his most uh, famous one, cult-wise, but it's one of his most well-received. This is probably sure. his last universally acclaimed movie. I would think so, yeah. This is, what, 87? Yeah. I like, so, uh, I like the Stendhal syndrome, but it's not as good as okay. opera. Opera, I think, is legitimately one of his best. Yeah, but before that, he's had Tenembre, he's had Inferno, he's had uh, some movie called Suspiria. Oh, Phenomena is the one that Phenomena, I'm shocked we though. haven't done yet. That That's incredible. That one's got my uh, yeah, yeah, my favorite. Every time we've gotten together for a movie day and an Argento one has come up, which has been like eight different times. Uh, it's always been a hit of the day. I think the first one we watched as a group was Deep Red. Oh, yeah. Deep Red. <laughs> and a lot of people in the room hadn't seen like, it's on the Giallo list for this horror show, for sure. uh, oh, before, yeah. and so it's just a whole new thing. Like you said, it's this is a new thing that you've never seen before. I will say, I think I think Argento does bring some class. We got to acknowledge. We got to acknowledge, you know, it. there's camp and there's a ton of gore, and it's all in terrible red technicolor <laughs> detail <laughs> i love the color in argento movies. Uh, but this one especially man the I, I i don't really care for opera i'm gonna probably steer clear of opera if i ever i'm gonna know, am presented with it but i loved watching this movie and getting enveloped 
I in know this world of very opera. little about the opera community. Yeah. I do not have my finger to the pulse of the opera community. So we are going to record a separate podcast that just <laughs> focuses on the opera review. Right. Uh, we're not going to get into that here. Well, it's like we've we've already explored the like Vegas showgirl world. <laughs> right. Now we're going to focus the eye on the opera world. We're really good at. Uh... And if this movie has you know t- told me anything, it's that opera stars are horny as hell. So we're in for that. They are. <laughs> they are after it all the time. <laughs> and, that's just every. I think that's just Italians. And they're young as hell. <laughs> they're dumb as hell. And. <laughs> They get stalked by killers, just like everybody else. A lot of black-gloved killers over in Italy stalking them. And, yeah, so I know very little about opera, but I was watching this movie, and for some reason it came to me like, I've never heard about opera kids. Like, I know theater kids, tech kids, and that kind of kid. I've never, or, like, horse girls. (laughs) There has to be opera, you know, the chess kids. Uh, they were all these at, at school. I've never heard of the opera kids. Right. They have to come from somewhere. Kids got to be nerdy about opera. Nobody's just right? fallen backwards into opera in their late 30s. Maybe. Somebody has to be prepping for opera. I mean, maybe it's a, yeah, maybe it's a thing where, uh, they just have a gift, like an ice skating or, uh, you know, some sort of gymnast that they discover like, hey, sure. this kid can sing at four. And then they just shove them into that world. <laughs> Full frontal, but nobody. Like, here's the thing: you're though, the opera kid now. Nobody's ever heard of one. <laughs> nobody's known a kid opera singer. Well, not our, not never, our, not our dumbasses. Yeah, I don't know any opera stars. That's why we don't know much about opera. <laughs> Tchaikovsky yet, uh, is that an opera name? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna have a list of known operas handy and memorize them just to toss them out to well, make sure. you feel dumb. But then I forgot to do the bit. I mean, if I know any opera, though, it's Macbeth. The yeah. opera version of Shakespeare's play, which we get sure. to see a lot of in this movie. There's a lot of what goes on at the opera, yeah. in opera. A lot of killing and a lot of intrigue. A lot of operas are way more complicated than I realized. And when there's a madman on the loose with black gloves, it's even worse. But <laughs> this Doesn't movie help. is so cool. Because it combines all these different horror genres, as that's kind of a thing giallos do. <laughs> sure. And I also did not know going in it was going to be a birds movie. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. A lot that. of wildlife in this film. Giallo films always have like four different central weird plots going on and a lot of red herrings. And this one does not disappoint in that. Mm-hmm. And it builds into this kind of silly, campy, badly dubbed thing into... One of the more tense, scary experiences uh, of my year. So this movie just had me going all over the place for two hours. Oh, yeah. This movie grabs you from the very beginning. Like you said, ravens, crows, whatever. Crows. I, think I don't know ravens birds either. So, but, <laughs> but we start on the crow, on the raven, con his way through rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Man, this movie grabbed me from the opening credits. Like... Oh, yeah. I was just like, oh, I, I want to see where this is going. Uh, this movie contains some of my favorite kind of camera movement, first-person perspective camera yeah, movements. Yeah. yeah, it would go into that POV shots, yeah. uh, you know, through corridors and such. And even when it's something like an opera rehearsal, it's got just this intriguing way of just putting you right in the middle of it. And, uh, man, it just... Argento sets are the most amazing <laughs> thing in horror. The more I see them, they are just these places that shouldn't exist, yet it's all this on-location shooting, and it has that weird look sometimes of this gorgeous version of, you know, early 20s German kind of horror, like Caligari and everything's all off perspective and weird-shaped. Right. All these just inefficiently built buildings, but gorgeous-looking buildings, and these amazingly unique Uh, room setups every scene there's just somebody out of place expressly due to how a room was constructed and it's just this uh architecture that i'm unfamiliar with Mm. and it's i don't know how he finds all these different unique weird shaped but gorgeous places to set every one of his movies in his location scouts are incredible this opera house is amazing yeah it is claustrophobic but open it's, it's got like this these huge, tall, 
roof towering floor. booths uh, what do you call them the boxes you know oh just stacked maybe, on maybe top of each other seven levels seven of, levels of yeah it's, it's a gorgeous old opera it's very house. daunting it's very like i said it made me feel claustrophobic just kind of i i got a lot of claustrophobia like <laughs> um captivity kind of fears in this movie oh well, yeah uh yeah it builds to some tough it, ones it, it really gets to you there but it starts you off with that just like close up on this bird that's pecking at you uh and then the way that everything is open but so tight in you're following this this diva who's trying to leave and mm-hmm. people are always swarming around her and people right. people are just moving in this movie the, the human choreography in a film like this and a yeah. lot of argento's movies he does a lot with body movement and people moving in and off of screen and it's so funny how some of the interactions can seem so bad due to the dubs Yet all this complicated to film movement is always happening and people like extras with lines being said in the background that you just can't hear. It's like the bustle of a Fellini movie. but there, it's There's in... no better dubbing than the guy who's like, excuse me. Okay. Yeah, there's always a, coming through, <laughs> come on. That's there's my so favorite many, dubbing. This movie has so <laughs> and much of that guy too because it's a theater company and an opera so they're always moving stuff. So during so many conversations, people are just, those workers are just, Coming through. <laughs> Watch out. Like yeah. that Excuse same dub me. guy Excuse voice. That. In and out. Yeah, it's like... Uh, and Yeah, there's I just always the act- so much... The activity is just... This is, uh, is going to sound dumb watching this movie through, but it really re- made me feel like Brian De Palma making a giallo. A lot of that first-person point-of-view camera, and Argeno and De Palma do that same thing where someone has a mysterious spell mm. that they could be put under by, right. by some thing or some memory. There are a lot of people being haunted by by weird misplaced memories in Argento <laughs> and De Palma movies. And so this whole time watching it, it felt like a, a real sleazy but classy. Argento is classy but sleazy. Uh, De Palma does sleaze with some class. De, it's like a little with, slight twist. With De Palma, you know for sure that the camera's point of view is the dick. <laughs> it's yeah. low enough. It's basically focused right on the tush of whatever it's following. Sure. This sure. one, it feels like maybe chest high. <laughs> chest high. Waist up. Waist up. Yeah. No, De Palma was the one I was thinking about with all of the POV mm-hmm. and camera work because it because that is a very tricky you know, thing to master in a movie and not make it feel hokey. Right. And this is one of the best examples. I thought I loved how it looked. And yeah. it some of these scenes going down corridors, it's like that scene in uh Body Double where he comes home to his apartment and he can hear, you know, Barbara Crampton at the end and he's just slowly walking through his apartment looking in rooms and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I love this uh our main opera singer, Christina Marsalock, the only horror movie she ever did. This is the only horror movie. I think she's amazing. Apparently, Argento said she was the most difficult to work with actress. Oh. But you watch Diva. what some of these Argento actresses are put through. Oh. You know? I don't, I don't, make some demands. She might hold the title, though, of most, oh my God. most shit that had to go through to make a movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, what, what he does to her in this movie is one of those where you go, like, why did you think of this? This is fucked up, dude. This is this, this is, is like, him really unloading like, some ideas. You came up with this idea? This is messed up, man. This girl and this movie was totally giving me the uh, the Jill Sholin, uh when a stranger calls back mm. feelings. This killer that can get to this girl at any time. She's a young opera starlet. Very young. She seemed to be in her early 20s. Too young. She keeps insisting she's, she's too young. She's too young to play Lady Macbeth. She's the understudy for Lady Macbeth. You and see, in opera, one of the things I know guys, is you need to have a little bit of something behind your career before you play Macbeth. They aren't giving Macbeth out to the 24-year-old pretty girl. You need to like have 17. some wrinkles. Yeah. You need well, to have a career. You know, her voice just hasn't developed into that lower octave. There's I one think. thing I know about opera. Well, if there's one thing I know about anything, it's that Macbeth is a cursed fucking play. Yeah, don't ever a... do it. I we shouldn't even be saying the name. I don't think at this point. <laughs> it's Candyman. It's the point, Scottish right? play, and 
Isn't there a story like Daniel Day Lewis like saw his dead dad off stage during a performance <laughs> of Macbeth? It's like people get freaked out by it. <laughs> it's just we're, this is us just repeating a curse out loud <laughs> and like spreading it. Yeah, no spodactu. Why are people still talking about it? Don't say Macbeth out loud. Yeah, you're not supposed to. Yeah, the whole movie, everybody's just talking about how cursed they are, while the worst, increasingly terrible things keep happening to this production. Oh my gosh. It's a curse. But this actress, Betty, I think she was like one of the most gorgeous women ever put in film. She looks like one of the women in like the like a Christoph Kislowski movie. She's mm. like the Three Colors trilogy women, you know? She looks so great and is put through so much hell. My God. We get a lot of shots of her doing opera. She's not actually singing, but the opera choreography <laughs> was captivating oh yeah for a person who has no (laughs) no interest in opera per se uh i was sucked into the these powerful scenes that's one of the big successes of this movie is Mm -hmm. that you're not just tuning out during the opera stuff yes it brings a gravitas with it and at the same time i love how they'll show you the opera this happens in the beginning she's got to go on it's the big night Mm -hmm. opera opera and then they cut behind the scenes and the guy's like there's too much smoke. <laughs> There's too much smoke. We, we see a little can bit. You, can you cut a little bit? It's like a little like two behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah, we're seeing how this opera company's run. <laughs> the sausage well. is getting made. Yeah. <laughs> and then what I love about the opera, though, is that nothing stops it. In this opening night performance. Yeah, the performance, show really must go on with in this In this opening one. night performance, our killer is up in one of these boxes. He's just killed uh, an usher who's like, you shouldn't be in here. And has to make a point about it. <laughs> and then these lights fall off and crash. Oh, yeah, a huge it's a light big stage. To do. Yeah. It stops the show, and then they're like, eh, everyone go back, sit down, sit down. We're going to continue the opera. Like, if if shit is falling off of walls and ceilings, you get out of that theater. Yeah, Guys, at one just, point. That's a tip from me to you. As, as performances of Macbeth keep getting more and more <laughs> cursed throughout this production, I love this one woman at the end, jumping way ahead to the end. We're skipping everything else. But this one woman goes, is this part of the show? <laughs> I think I would be so con- like is every opera person just like that really sums up the yeah is this just like movie. classy people going to a kiss concert in <laughs> like Ace Freely shoots a firework out of his guitar and you see like a light fixture get knocked loose and like whoa shit yeah the hockey arena is coming down but then you see Kiss 20 years later and like the same light fixture gets knocked loose are these people just getting suckered at operas with like fake light fixtures i just don't know how you continue watching something after like a a massive like it's not just like a can fell off of a thing like the whole <laughs> yeah. fixture comes off yeah several people were inches from death I, i'm I'm spending the rest of the performance looking at the rafters mm-hmm. seeing what else is coming down yeah if somebody get murdered in a movie theater i was in like i think i'd come back for another showing i had a guy in a restaurant once like Get the chokey thing. Oh, yeah, you get the Heimlich. <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah. start choking. The, the woman next to him was like, Robert, Robert. <laughs> oh, no. Let me tell you, nothing kills your appetite quicker than a woman thinking her husband's about to die. <laughs> like, you don't eat. Like, I was like, we'll take this to go because we're done here. Like, you don't just keep watching the opera. Check, please. <laughs> Yeah, like when shit like that ruins the experience, I don't know how you stay for act two. It doesn't make any sense. Already so much has gone on in like 10 minutes of the opera. How bad do you want this night out, people? Go get a drink. Call it a night. Yeah, you're already in one of these buildings that you already just think might be just in danger of collapse. Just at some point, you're sitting on the seventh floor. On a straight shot down. And you know this thing was built in the 1500s because it's <laughs> yeah. Italy. So you're already just taking that risk. And then once the first thing in that building falls, that would be me just moonwalking Good out night. the door. Yeah. yeah. But apparently people really want their opera. And this is uh, something that I don't know the the realism of, but it's all like a... We got to, you know, this is the first show. We got to, I don't know what the opera critic world is like either. So I got to imagine it's brutal. I imagine it's very harsh. Yeah. Yeah. Harsh is a good word for it. The Italian opera trade. Tough. 
<laughs> tough business in 80. I don't know what kind of a hold. That's probably why this, this young lady did not want to do this. She's yeah. like, I'm about to get this is roasted. suicide. I'm going to get roasted by the, the Italian opera trades. You'll never opera in this town again. And <laughs> this movie is presenting this, you know, like Argeno does, these gorgeous, ornate settings. Mm. And then giving us grislier and grislier just horrifying deaths. It's always this crazy whiplash roller coaster where you're looking at the most beautiful uh, scenery and the most gorgeously arranged sets. You think of some of the just bookshelves and oh, Suspiria yeah. and just some of the knickknacks he has in the background. She's in things, like this you know? marble bedroom in the, yeah. the, big, the first big kill. Yeah, a lot of people living in places Castles. that don't look like... Yeah, everybody looks like they live in castles. That's why, <laughs> that's why it gives me those hammer horror vibes. Everything's in these big castle sets from right. British productions, you know? And it's such this whiplash effect when people start dying and they're like just stomach churning deaths. Well, people don't just die. It's, the thing is the, the obsessed killer obsessed with this young opera starlet basically ties her up, binds her to a, a, a pole or, or a cabinet or something. So it's, it's a marble column like sh- you have in your bedroom. Shoves a, I don't even know how to describe this. Like a row of nails. Spiked eye strips. uh, Under her eyes so she can't even close her eyes or it'll basically puncture her eyes out. And then makes her watch him kill her friends and and colleagues. It's one thing to have like a stalker. Like that's weird. You know, that's scary. Yeah. But it's another when your stalker forces you to watch murders. That's that's the worst version of a stalker. That's terrible. And these... Murder scenes are so violent and so scary. We get they're all like under the like a bed of speed metal. Yeah. We've had nothing but these this gorgeous the score is incredible. It's such a weird mixed pot. It's not just a goblin guy. Mm-hmm. There is a goblin guy though. I'm pretty sure Claudio Simonetti's name showed up. Sounds a lot but it's like also goblin. Brian Eno, Bill Wyman of the Stones, and then just some speed metal riffs occasionally. And all the kills cool. are playing into this bed of speed metal <laughs> while she's being tied to a marble column and the spike eye strips. That is something that's, that's the stuff so... where you go like, where did you get this? dude? Yeah, because that is so beyond. I have read an interview with Argento where he talks about where he got oh, that. Do he, tell. he was joking around about the idea because of people always trying to turn their eyes away at screenings of his movies <laughs> from the the scary scenes where he wanted a way to force them to watch it. So it's like that clockwork orange Ludovico technique, you know, where it really is. But it has this gross level of doability that really made it unsettling for me. You see some of the contraptions in a movie like Saw. Mm-hmm. Which right. are these Rube Goldberg-esque torture devices. This is just a piece of tape <laughs> with five small nails upright, taped right underneath your eyeballs. And then he leans into her and tells her that if she blinks and tries to shut her eyes, her eyeballs will be destroyed mm-hmm. by these nails. So you get all these close-up shots of the most horrified eyes justifiably horrified eyes unable to blink i was so scared she was going to blink i don't and there's scenes where you see blood like she's clearly pricked herself yeah there's like a couple of bloody drips down two of the nails and it it is it's like is she the most difficult person he's worked with or did he put (laughs) nail strips under her eyelids so she couldn't blink for like 12 hours a day we've talked about uh these kind of horror movies that give me that kind of horror where I'm scared of what I might see. Oh. That thing might never happen, but I'm so scared of what I'm about to see. Right. Then that that's the real terror. Uh, movies like Hereditary gave me those kind of scares where it's like, I don't know what's going to happen, but this is building to something bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know what they'll show and what I won't be able to unsee. And that scares me. And me just watching this woman and not wanting her to blink <laughs> is so scary. And then I found myself not blinking at all. I think if you blink during that scene, 
that means you're actually a psychopath. <laughs> I think that's a good, just a good quick test. I was fluttering my eyes. No, no I chance. Like, oh, I blink all day. No baby. chance you were keeping those things. No one's putting nail strips under my eyelids. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I find that hard to believe. <laughs> Mine were glued open. I was like sitting forward in my chair, eyes well. My wide mouth open. was open as if there were spike strips under my tongue or something. Like yeah, I was. I was uh, enough was open for like minutes at a time in different parts of this movie. It's one of those where you watch a lot of horror movies and you're like it, you feel like it takes a lot for me to really get disturbed by sure. things. Yeah. Uh this one nailed it. This one really hit it. <laughs> this one did it with the nails under the eyes to keep you from blinking. Well, and, and and you're tied up and you can't move and like I said like the this happens a, a few times. I don't know why this lady let this happen to her several times in the movie, but yeah, the the reoccurring theme of that just made me so like claustrophobic and scared, and you you know, then you've got ravens in cages, and there's just this there's whole a lot of cackling like, captivity thing that just yeah. really creeped me out. Well, this movie, and also this speed metal starts to have this yeah. <laughs> Pavlovian effect on you because oh, this absolutely. whole movie is are these gorgeous sounds, like I said. You know, Eno was involved. So you have these these great operas that are being scored, these great Eno sound pieces, some more classic goblin kind of sound. And then all of a sudden just like a motorhead, like motorhead. song yeah, just yeah. like riffing. Totally. This was when Argeno was into speed metal, like Phenomena has, has Motorhead mm-hmm. and like Maiden and stuff. This is just some band. I'm not sure who they are, but it has that sound. Yeah. So now every we keep every time we hear speed metal, it's like, oh, here's another several minutes of this poor woman <laughs> being forced to watch murders, and these murders are so violent. This that's, looks that's what's so great because you have that anticipation, and then it does pay off oh, with boy. genuinely like Th- this first cringe. stabbing we got. Yeah. Of of her just recent lover coming back uh, into the, the room, stage manager. Yeah, man, coming back into your weird castle bedroom. To see your your lover tied to a marble column. Let me tell you, you be- screaming through like a gag, you, and you being like, "What? Yeah, what's uh?" If you had just had sex with a woman in a bed, and then you were like, "I gotta go use the, mm-hmm. the head," he just I'll steps be right out back. for a bit. And then you come back, and she's tied up, gagged, yeah. and and clearly distressed. How long do you think it would take you to be like, "What's going on?" Yeah, this is a longer than this. This guy? is a big <laughs> ornate castle room. And this guy walks slowly from these big double doors. He does not get questioning it. the whole like Betty? <laughs> Betty, what's going on? What's going on? And she like, <laughs> she's clearly not into it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. There's no sense that you got she was doing a bit for this guy. And that leads to one of the most insane stabbings we've ever seen in a movie. Out of nowhere. The thickest blade of a knife you've ever seen cuts right through the bottom of this guy's jaw, mm-hmm. pokes out past his tongue inside of his mouth, full close up on the stomach. And then the guy yeah, proceeds to just get his like hand. We get this super messy stabbing that just that goes on forever. Nobody ever dies right away in an Argento movie. They just get stabbed 36 yeah. times while just screaming. Oh, man. So all the whole time I'm sitting there, yeah, my eyes are not blinking, my mouth's open, then my mouth shut right when a guy got a whole knife mm-hmm. straight up through his mouth. <laughs> oh, God. This movie, from there on, I was wrecked. This movie had me from that. Yeah, it goes from there, and it uh, it gets even it gets even better it, from there. And, we, uh, yeah, the killer, though, uh, cuts one of the ropes, lets her loose, and is basically like, I can take you whenever I want, just so you know. Yeah. So what does she do? Go to the cops? No, can't do that for some reason. <laughs> Tell, uh, you know, then she runs into her director on the streets. This girl's a mess. Well, the way she handles so this thing to me is just as like As this movie ridiculous. unfolds, we find out there might be a reason she's not going to the cops. There might be some kind of uh, childhood trauma that's leading her to enjoy this, mm. this activity. We start getting these flashbacks that are gradually explained. Spoilers. Uh, (laughs) Where we see a woman witnessing a murder that's happening in some roomy attic. A lot of these scenes look like like 
Bonnie Tyler videos. It's very or meatloaf videos. <laughs> like everything's yeah. in a castle and like curtains are blowing and but it's also a dusty attic. <laughs> and uh, it's a black Christmas attic. Just yeah. Kind of, yeah. And so we keep seeing these shots of a woman watching another woman being murdered and kind of enjoying it. And we keep seeing as these gels do more and more of that scene. Mm-hmm. And so there might be a reason why this girl is not going to the cops and that story kind of unfolds confusingly as that, giallo's yeah can be i don't think i was grasping onto that story so much as i was going like ah! yeah well there's a lot of stuff to watch that you can't also follow this like and also they do not attempt to make it like really easy to follow characters in this movie i looked up the credits later because i was like man i couldn't i kept forgetting who had what name hmm Here's some of the names in the movie. There's only like 12 people in this movie, and here are some of the names. Marco, Mira, Marion, <laughs> Maria, Maurizio, Miro, and Mora. That's eight of the names of the 12 people in this movie. I couldn't Holy tell who shit. the fuck was who, because everybody <laughs> sounded like they had the exact same name. There was like four characters that I thought were the same person. That's great. <laughs> and I thought they just kept having their hair change. So that kind of... <laughs> but I just love that it's like that. It's like Marco, Mira, Betty. Yeah. All right. When Betty, Be- when Betty came along, Betty? it's like, thank Christ. <laughs> Betty is the... They, well, that's uh, him going, this is the only one you need to worry about. Yeah, worry about Betty. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Thanks, thanks Dario. <laughs> yeah. So the whole movie is kind of confusing, uh, as the best giallos are always super confusing. I gotta say, it was confusing, but I also knew who the killer was five minutes into the movie. (laughs) Like, it was very clear. Yeah. Five minutes into the movie, when the killer shows up stalking the actress, and he's a cop, you're like, yeah, of course it's the cop. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Of course it's this Obviously guy it's who's this like guy. staring at her <laughs> while the busiest hallway in theater history is bustling by with plants and flowers. Yeah, they just show this guy staring her down from multiple angles <laughs> across the opera Gee, hall. I wonder who it is. Looking into her like sh- her uh, her backstage door as it's closing, never changing his gaze. Blonde like, bearded cops always go down badly <laughs> in movies. Yeah. All right, guys? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're all bad. So, but yeah, it's like I, I did. I really didn't get a lot of the background stuff with the mom. Got it. But I knew it was that guy from literally <laughs> the first scene he was in. Sure. Well, there's <laughs> one uh, towards the end of the movie when the killer has confronted Betty again and again and again. That's when he he says something like, "You're just like your mother." Right. And then we see that shot. By then, I'm. By all, then, I love how removed and how far back we keep removing from this memory shot to reveal like it's such a how to cook for humans mm-hmm. how to cook 40 humans because it's like this woman seemingly like yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like a woman watching a murder but then it pulls back the next shot and it's like a woman watching a murder in a mirror mm-hmm. and then you pull back and it's that's a woman De Palma too. yeah ex- oh big time yeah that's what it fully clicked into italian uh, De Palma horror and uh then it pulls back more and it's like a girl watching the mirror, seeing the woman watching a mirror. Like, okay. <laughs> like, every time we get, like, who else is going to be watching this? <laughs> like, we don't need this much layer. Yeah. Layer in here, yeah. Like, I want there to be, like, a, a servant waiting outside the quarters, eavesdropping on the girl, listening to the... There's a, and, and because it's Argeno, there's several shots of people crawling through different passages mm. and tunnels. I think we talked about that in Demons, where you're going to get at least eight minutes of crawling yeah. in a movie it's like required. this. Especially if you look at the runtime and it's like an hour 45. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. This was 85. Maybe some crawling would have been cut. But when when a Italian horror movie is an hour 45. There's they kept be, the crawling in. Yeah, there's you know going to be the crawling. You know it. And these murders keep getting more and more well that's that's what's so confusing to me is is her reaction because she doesn't go to the cops she doesn't really tell anyone at first and and she goes to the the there's a whole scene where the killer has destroyed the costume yeah and killed some ravens in the costume room that comes back to play later but our hero uh heroine our, our betty 
doesn't even tell anyone like really what's going on in the production. Yeah. Which leads to the second time that she gets snuck up on by, tied oh, up, gosh. put the nails on her eyes, oh, and she has to watch her second victim. Now, that's Eric, a shot of her in the glass case. That's right? her in the glass case. Oh, now what a shot! You know the old saying, right? Uh, I'm not sure I do. Sneak old... up behind me, tie me up, and watch, <laughs> and make me watch someone die once. Shame on you. Sure. Sneak up behind me, tie me up, and make me watch someone die twice. Twice. Shame on at, me. At a certain point, can't you're, get you're again. a little responsible. Yeah, you yeah. can't get fooled again. At this point. You, you ought to be watching your back if you're not calling the cops. And so when that happened while we were watching it, I immediately was thinking of when a stranger calls back, especially when he tells her that he can get to her at any time. That was Im- immediately like ugh, sending those shivers back up my spine. And then it just made me start thinking of how obviously different Jill Sholin's reaction was in that movie, how it's wrecked her life completely and mm. made her move and change her look and identity and everything right the trauma that goes into that the actual and reality betty after witnessing these things and being petrified in the moment nothing you you've never seen more scared eyes she's scared an extreme close-up yeah in this movie the process that this actress had to have gone through again she should have been demanding on set this is like Isabella at Johnny going through some, you know some right. of her best roles where it's just the emotion that gets put into this has to be take years off your life and but then in between these murders she's just like she's just locked in a glass cage threatened after seeing her friend and costume designer get like a tracheotomy done with scissors yeah. that one is the the sound effects some guy in a studio just chopping celery to make it sound like making a guy do scissor cut through like breastbone is some of the like squishiest like grinding his sound that was rough and and then just watching her watch it the whole time the way that glass case is lit like that is just an incredible shot but then like a little while later she's just kind of lounging at home Putting on her op- trying to relax, like, just trying to relax and not and like keep her mind <laughs> off things. She puts on one of her opera tapes on the stereo. She does tell the cop who ends up being the guy who's doing it all. She eventually tells him like something's up. I you know don't leave me alone. But then it's like all right, I'll have my partner come watch you in your apartment after you've witnessed two brutal killings. Yeah, and uh, since there's clearly a guy after you, why don't you put in those eye drops that make you go all fuzzy? <laughs> So you can't see what's in front of you. Yeah. That sounds I like love, a plan. Like that innocent, beautiful girl when she invites the guy. Uh, oh, you'll have to excuse me. I put eye drops in. I can't see anything. <laughs> like, oh, boy. she's She is just taking things yeah. easy. She's just lounging around in those like bad Nancy on Elm Street mm-hmm. khakis. <laughs> like, I love the relaxation tape. That's yeah. like. You know, the the classic just like, listen to the sound of my voice. Yeah. And she's just, it's like she's just going to have a night in reading magazines. Yeah. She's just getting, putting on her cozy khakis. She's really relax after witnessing two brutal two murders the, in the span of six to eight hours. Yeah. While other just, uh, so that's when I was like, okay, there's something more to this. Mm-hmm. She's getting something out of this and I'm not sure what. Because there's always going to be some case of mistaken identity somebody's you know split personality these are all De Palma and Argento things and I just kept loving where it's going I kept loving the sounds of this movie I love the looks you talk about on-screen deaths Italian horror legend and recently passed away Hmm. Daria Nicoldi she's the agent the bangs who's in most of these Argento movies sure, that we've watched. Sure, sure. Gets that uh, kind of a wasted role for her. No, that, that's not the Argento collaborator wife woman. Uh, I who think she away. was. Same one? I think she was, yes. Okay, together that's her. with uh, Argento. For, I think this was their last collaboration was opera. I think this okay. is when they split. Uh, but they were long time, uh, at least, entertainment partners, at least theatrical partners. And I love her in this movie. She's That's great. my a also my favorite death. Yeah, for sure. Well, oh yeah, that is the okay. The bullet hole through the 
the front door. The, the peephole, peephole, whatever thing. Oh, that shot of the bullet going through the door. Going through the door, Amazing. going through her head, <laughs> her Amazing. eyeball out the back of her head, and then th- splintering the telephone on the far end table. What a shot. Maybe my favorite part of the whole thing. Oh, I mean, that, Great is, moment. that is an incredible shot and a disgusting moment. Think of uh, Nicole having to wear a, a squib just right on the back of her head. And on the front, I, yeah. mean, I would imagine. Front on her. Because <laughs> that shot, when the you see her from the side, the bullet going through the door, through her head, Yeah, it goes front, back. Mm-hmm. It, the, the, spare no expense there. It's one of those cruel tricks that... <laughs> the digital technology advancement played on us once mm. Argento went to really bad CGI starting sometime in the 90s. Because when you look at a movie made during the height of our special makeup effects, straight-to-video kind of era, that era we really love where you're getting just super creative weirdos doing all the horror makeup oh, man. effects. And there was so many great straight the late to video. 80s and is so perfect. For yeah. That. It's just ripe with all the coolest practical effects. And Argento's use of practical effects is so much more realistically effective than anyone else's. We love the, the camp and the phoniness of some of it. It's not cheesy. It's an amazing, uh, <laughs> you know, achievement Mm -hmm. in a lot of these cheap 80s horror movies we watch. Seeing it done so grotesquely and so realistically, but still so practically in this, it's right up there with great practical effects moments like the shotgun blast in Mm. Maniac, you know, on the hood of the car. Some of the best Savini moments. It's stuff that makes you pucker up a little bit. Yeah. Is what we're saying. I mean, it's like, it would be like if Tom Savini started just going to digital effects work in the 90s. Like, what a drag. And so Argento mastering the the horror behind the just gore mm-hmm. in these movies with practical effects, to leave that behind is such a bummer because <laughs> it's so grotesque and so scary in opera. Just, yeah. Oh. It was probably a pain in the ass to do on set too, right? It's yeah. probably one of those where it's just so much easier <laughs> guess, to tell a yeah, guy to do it yeah. on the computer. It's easy to sit I on the sidelines and wish a filmmaker could have done something different. That, you know. But it just speaks to what a great team he always found to work with when all these parts of those movies, you know, the location scouting we brought up before, the score always, like he would foster these creative partnerships with these people and it would just elevate all these movies and make all these ideas pop so much more vibrantly and so yeah my eyes are open because i'm afraid to shut them now because i'm just thinking of spike strips below my eyeballs but they're also open the whole time because i can't stop taking in all these amazing images that he keeps putting out Mm -hmm. and this movie just kept giving me images and images and kind of made me follow along with this crazy stupid (laughs) weird story that i knew nothing about i loved the chaos and madness and kind of delirium of it. I love that. Fe- Nobody else gives me that feeling of delirium mm. like Argento movies. That period from, you know, Suspiria, Deep Red on through opera. There's there's a dozen that just make me woozy. The the one. Uh, yeah. Speaking of that in this movie, the, the shots that gave me the most of that delirium is when they decide they're going to figure out how to identify the killer at the concert. <laughs> and what a plan. This is one of my favorite things because they know the killer has killed some of these ravens. The director then basically unleashes ravens on the crowd and they seek out the killer because they could recognize and remember faces. I don't know if actual productions of Macbeth use live crows or ravens. People in the movie didn't know. People, yeah, nobody knew. (laughs) Nobody seemed to know who. They didn't know if it was part of the show or not. This guy who handled all this like 150 crows. He seems like a guy who just kind of bullshitted his way onto the set. Like no, he has yeah, such he a he brought such a those. preposterous thing to the set that nobody thought to ask that he's just some weirdo showing up with hundreds of crows. He's just the guy that has that many crows. Like, yeah, that's his only qualification. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, you need a you need fifty crows. <laughs> I got him. I've told you about that. You want to find someone else with fifty crows? Be my guest. <laughs> that pro wrestler Jamie Dundee the Memphis area wrestler in the 90s who was a Jerry Springer talent scout. Mm. Because when you needed to get like eight little people for like an episode of Springer, (laughs) he's like, yeah, I can get eight midgets. That's no problem. Like he's the scout for this kind of thing. And uh, (laughs) 
That's yeah, great. of course. You get the guy in there with 150 crows, nobody asks questions about him. Yeah. But I love that crows are smart birds. I don't know much about birds, but crows are smart. That's crows what I've been told. Crows can use tools. Crows are smart. But the, the fact that they can recognize people and remember them and, and resent them is, here's, what, is one of my favorite Here's parts one of my it. favorite Argento things is he has this fascination with eyeballs not just ripping out of eyeballs from heads and eating eyeballs everyone's got that but the idea that eyeballs are also kind of magic (laughs) like there's a lot of this is kind of also a giallo thing but like oh you looked through the lens of this mirror and Mm. then you saw your murderer like it's always a a weird like uh you know he had a movie called four flies on gray velvet and it's like, oh, yes, because of this optical trick, you were able to, like, oh, okay. So it's like there's always a plot point that hinges on an optical trick. Right, interesting. In one of these movies. And uh, so that's it. So we get a lot of, like, the oh, raven, sure, the, well, sure you, the ravens will remember the guy that killed four of the ravens an hour ago. When you get the raven's point of view yes. flying over the audience, oh, man. I was like, I could watch this for hours. Oh, it's so good because it felt like... It's just people... F- panicking at a, at a camera as if you're the bird it, it was satisfying to be in that point of view oh, and yeah. it was also just like how are they doing that and <laughs> well, oh man i just loved it's that old about like it. aip motion picture kind of thing where you'd have a uh, due to budget limitations you just had cameras swooping at scattering people you know like cue the wing and serpent kind of right, thing right right you know, they aren't actually looking at a beast. We're going to make that <laughs> claymation later. <laughs> so just run uh, the direction we tell you to. Sure. So I love the idea of just directing this stuffy opera house crowd to be like, okay, the bird almost got that guy right next to you. <laughs> React to that. <laughs> so this was really good because up until this point in the movie where we get just the bird guy unleashing, uh, making a big interruption during another opera scene. To mm-hmm. unleash bird havoc. This is when the woman goes, is this part of the show? Exactly. The second more than like three birds are let loose. In a, like if there's four birds in a Costco flying around, I'm like, you know what? I'm not fucking around in Costco today. <laughs> like, even what's tiny the, birds. E- yeah, even just, we've talked, man. You, you shouldn't be in here, sir. Birds, <laughs> I am fat. Like if I'm uh, at the break room window and there's a bird hopping around outside or I'm looking out my front window. I love watching birds, like when there's glass in front of me, but I don't sure. trust them. And early in the movie where a woman accuses a bird of, like, threatening her, basically. Like, a, the lady that originally plays Macbeth, right. before that character is the diva entirely who out. written out of the movie. Her whole complaint is, I can't rehearse because this bird is mad at me. This bird keeps looking at me, <laughs> she actually says. That one, that bird right there. So they're establishing in minute one of the movie. Yeah. It's like this bird hates me. This bird hates me, and this bird is looking. This bird's just looking for somebody to fuck with. I the whole you, movie, this whole bird is just lurking over everybody. I get a lot of crows that come into my backyard like seasonally, you know, and yeah. they're on their way here or there, and they'll wake me up an hour before dawn, and I just, I, I'm not gonna go fuck with them. I'm no. gonna let them do their thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to mess with them. And when you see these these ravens, crows, whatever, finally get their man and descend on the policeman and recognize his eyeballs the out. Yeah. Uh, the one eye, at least. They go right after that left it eye. It was like, oh, yeah, I don't think I could think of anything worse than having a bird peck my shit out. Right. Like, whether it's the lighthouse <laughs> and you're getting it taken out of your ribs or it's the eyeball. Just a bird I don't want a rem- removing a part of my person. Not a, not a fan. Is is a is low on, on the ways but to go. As, as ways of my person being taken from me, beak is way down the list. Like, I'd rather a scalpel yeah. or a <laughs> well, chainsaw. The crowd doesn't really go into panic until a man is being attacked. But like <laughs> really I said, it. you're over three birds in any confined space, no matter the size. I'm I'm on edge right away. I just imagine the ushers sitting in the hallway going, you think this is weird. There's a light fixture that fell yeah, the other night. Things have been going crazy. <laughs> one of us ushers was stabbed through the back of his neck. Ricky died. Just like last <laughs> night. But yeah, you, suddenly a dozen birds are out. Suddenly, like a hundred birds are out. I would, I would what, be. No, yeah. I'm not going to be the guy to yell fire in a theater. But I'm like, 
walking, like speed walking up the aisle to the back right. without trying to cause a big no. commotion. You and me are in the back going, should we go? Yeah, I, I wouldn't do like a full like George Costanza, but I'd be like, this is time. We need to get out of here. But everybody right. else is still waiting to over. be like, <laughs> these opera people are just like bloodlusty sickos. I wonder if there's a thing though where you, if you pay like $100 to go see a thing, like God damn it. You're going to get that money's worth. Maybe yeah, I don't that. know how interactive operas usually are. So I don't know how far is beyond the realm of like, I remember when a light fixture fell at my reading of <laughs> Bellini. Like, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know how interactive in like William Castle they get at operas. They love it. You know, we have determined uh, since doing our Showgirls podcast that those kind of shows do exist still in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Uh, those kind of topless reviews. So those are real. They're still bringing so in the numbers. So if we can get like a fan of late 80s opera to kind of fill us in on the reality of this production. But all these yeah. crows causing havoc in this gorgeous building. I don't know how you get permission to just fuck up a building with all these birds let loose. Because you know every shot you take of this extravagant scene Every time the crows get out, it's hours before you're gathering up all the crows again. I bet you lose half the crows every time <laughs> you do this scene. Well, maybe they are trained. I don't know. Maybe the actual guy in the <laughs> movie's got them. You would hope. Maybe. I don't know. You would hope. I think you lose a lot of birds. I don't think they're just grabbing birds out of a park. <laughs> I don't think they're just finding street birds and throwing them on. <laughs> I'm would... saying even some of these trained actor birds are like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Like, I think they're like, like... Well, the opera house is nothing but little roosts and birdhouses and things yeah, this to place, sit on. Yeah. You like get let out in this building, it's like, I can find a spot I got, in yeah, this place. I got this. Like, this is my chance. So I think at least half of them are like, yeah, I'm not getting a better opportunity than being let out in this huge aviary-looking room. Yeah. The whole thing, it looked at a skylight, too. That oh, place, uh, yeah. It's the birds, ridiculous. Birds want to escape It's, a, it's this. a bird paradise in there. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But... All these shots that we keep getting of Betty, that glass case shot, the like the column shot, all these God, the shots of like that he gets of blood spattering under her, you know, white Versace mm-hmm. button up shirt, you know, just oh, it all looks so good. And it's that level of skill that you don't get with this kind of sleazy, gruesome horror. You get that cop with his just gross gaping cronenberg looking fleshy eye wound because this guy's still on the stock yeah after getting his eye ripped out of it his doesn't head stop him he's obsessed we get a long shot of that crow just gulping down his eyeball too oh yeah the crow finishes that meal. Try it, yeah you're not getting it back <laughs> <laughs> and this movie keeps getting into crazier set pieces we still like i said this started, it's like, oh, I had no idea this was a Killer Birds movie. Mm. I had no idea this was crazy fire stunt movie. Oh, yeah. Either. Love the fire at the end. Jeez, that is a, that is, you talk about that feeling of claustrophobia throughout this film. Nothing more claustrophobic than a room catching fire while you're just well, tied up. The, the, it's funny, yeah, the last one he finally blindfolds her because he's going to douse himself and her in fire and, and flame and, ga- and gasoline. He wants you to make sure. Yeah. You smell that? It's gasoline. Okay, thank you. Now thank we you. Know. Yeah. Good to know. <laughs> but yeah, the, I love that ending. The problem for me is that they didn't make that the true ending. That should have been never the a true ending in like that, Giallo's that, that man. That really anything was else a could... great ending though, and then <laughs> but it gave us that great shot. So we get his like self immolation scene, her late escape from this trapped room, this burning husk of a of a corpse still yeah. in the room. Then we get that brief shot when we realize he's still alive of him throwing a dummy into the like he just threw a smoke bomb and just. It just escaped out a side hatch and I, then threw a dubby. I just don't get the reasoning. There's no reasoning. <laughs> He's finally got her. She's tied up in the room. It's him and her. He can do what he wants. She knows who he is. That's why it's a sex thing. And then he just is like, and then I'll fake my own death and then get her two days later. It's like Crash where they're trying to get as close oh, to death as and as horrifically violent as possible in setting up these more and more unrealistic scenarios to barely escape death while thinking you witness death. That's the whole mind fuck of the whole movie. That's what made it so like, I can't shut my eyes during this whole thing. Again, also because of the fear of 
every time I would think of spike strips just below my eye, man, cutting your my eyes, eyes were up. so dry. <laughs> that so dry, they weren't getting blinked at it all. Were, it was bad. It was bad, guys. But I love how Christina Marsalock looks in this movie, and I was thinking, man, this is like one of the more like beautiful like grace kelly graceful actresses to ever Mm. appear in a horror movie that's why i was shocked to find out it was her only horror movie later she's never looked cooler in this movie than running through the swiss alps yeah while speed metal plays over the soundtrack when she just escapes to get away from it all to the swiss alps with her director who even the director of the movie was a guy who they made a point of saying directed bad horror movies, mm. but now he was getting into opera <laughs> directing. Yeah. It's like paying the bills He's by like, directing Macbeth. Dario's like, that's me. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, no, we we get the great like fire climactic scene in the opera house. She survives. They think he's dead. And then she wakes up in the Swiss Alps in an obvious bid for Argento and the crew to get a vacation to the Swiss Alps oh, yeah. for a week. So how we can gr- film this last how scene. How great is it to write just a 10-minute coda at the end of your movie? It's like, oh, also, we're going to the Swiss Alps. Also, we need to film gorgeous on mansion. location in the yeah. Alps so that he can chase her down <laughs> in the middle of the field once again. If you're a producer on this film, you're looking through this movie and you get you see the killer get burned to death. And you're like, okay, 15 more pages. Well, that, that's the thing. The, the movie ends... <laughs> At a great spot with the fire ending at like a an hour and ninety, you know. Yeah, you're, it's already a long. It's in. a long movie. You're yeah. good. You're set. Yeah, we've hit the mark. <laughs> Ship it, and you know. I love let's it. Go. I love when we get the. Uh, I mean, we just watch this burning skeletal body. He's just dressing up a cadaver just for his prop, and then just throwing just a man, throwing a man into the fire. He all, he all had to do that in three seconds. Yeah, because she got her blindfold up. Also, one thing I love this love Betty, but did it bug you how the last thing she would remove every time was the spike strips? Yeah, every time this guy cut her ropes, she would carefully undo her hands, and then she'd like undo her waist rope, yeah, and then she'd down, undo get the her, ankles. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, get the spike strips! She would do. She would always take the tape off of her mouth first, and then slowly peel. Like, get the strips. You're bending over to get your ankles. What if you accidentally blink? Get the strips first. She would always remove them last. That's why I'm thinking sometimes her behavior was so beyond what a normal person would do. You can only excuse normal behavior by, you know, just a person getting this done to them. Some of this stuff just seemed part of the thrill. And then when they're out in the middle of nowhere, the very next scene, we just get the director watching like a news report with the most casual announcement that this crazed, violent serial killer is, as it turns out, not burned to death and actually escaped. Yeah. Because he just even describes it as a, well, in the killer's latest coup de theater. <laughs> like, what? He's just talking about like it's another ruse. He got us again <laughs> with another guy. violent stabbing. Yeah. And then you find out the cops knew and have been following him for the last two days. Just so he can get to her again in the Alps. We could have done this in the city, guys. We didn't yeah. have to go to the country. Yeah, the, the director leaving the, the window going. The cop's like, yeah, we knew that was a body the whole He's time. He's not dead. We were just kind of waiting for him to strike again. So we had you go out to the country. Way out in the middle of nowhere. So yeah, she goes out there in this beautiful scene. Suddenly the movie is a color it's never been before. It's just right. these this green gorgeous hills sound of music kind of uh, stuff very much speed metal sound of music and she's <laughs> yeah. just walking through this like idyllic pasture and then she sees a a gang of dogs run by and doesn't seem to think like that's weird just a bunch of wild dogs running by <laughs> near me german shepherds and uh and that's what the, yeah the director sees the news report finds that the housekeeper's been stabbed a bunch of times right through her yeah. lower mandible. The cops let people die. The cops let so many people die just to capture them in a cool setting. And uh, the director cuts to the chase. I love it. Yell out the window. He goes, Betty, like, he's still alive. Also, he's here. <laughs> Run. <laughs> Second note. Yeah. <laughs> also. <laughs> he, he followed us all the way here. So, yeah, 
that's when you get that big full wrap up and reveal of what all these weird images are. We never even talked about the crazy scene of her crawling through the air ducts and hiding with that other little girl that get in- introduced oh, in yeah. the, at the hour 15 mark and them hiding just out of sight from him. Like the movie sh- throws in so much different kind of tension and from screaming tension to more of that quiet hiding tension. It just kept like I said, whiplash, man. And it doesn't get more whiplash than speed metal running through the Alps. And she's wearing that that gorgeous late 80s Argento fashion with the long peasant skirt mm-hmm. and like the white uh, Armani or Gucci blouse. Like, you know, kind of that phenomena look. Right, yeah. Suddenly yeah. it goes there. And oh, we get just more violent stabbings in different locations. And then the whole wrap-up. And that's when, uh, was she lying to him or was she telling the truth and Mm -hmm. she's just a sociopath who is now walking away from the murders that she's actually been a part of. She tricks him into thinking like, Oh, I love you now, or I'm with you now. I get it. So that you don't, you know, violently stab me to death and then just hits him with the biggest rock ever. And it's like, psych. I I, I didn't actually. (laughs) Well, but she could, this could have been her way out. You never know. Her way to not get caught. And I love the ambiguity of it. And you know, the part that it's not actually totally important to the story. But I like how it's not just him having a woman be stalked. It's a woman wanting to be stalked by a man who has been a part of her life for, you know, 16 years and was involved with her mother as well. You know, it's that extra level of insane uh, soap opera. Right. That gets thrown into a horror movie. Uh, I thought it was weird that the, Two cops at the end were like, forget it, Jake. It's opera. <laughs> well, she, I like her really that's softly. A China, that's a Chinatown yeah. reference. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I like her, her reaction after when the cops, I never know if this is just bad writing for some of these characters or if it's like, look, we have to get what he says in Italian into something much less. Because after this guy's stabbed badly out in the countryside and she murders the killer and almost gets murdered again the guy the cop's like hey that guy was trying to murder you you know (laughs) exactly yeah the cop just laying out the plot like thanks (laughs) yeah really appreciate it maybe you could have told me that i don't know 12 hours ago i know and so i never know if that's just but that's part of the atmosphere in these movies for me that's part of the reason i love them you know it's just it's you aren't gonna get somebody running from a knife killer in the Swiss Alps while some German speed metal plays over it way too loud. You know, it's it's too good. I wish we could have got more eye stuff. <laughs> Not quite enough Not quite eye enough. stuff, but I went into this movie. This was like I said, I think this was the last of the really acclaimed Argento movies that we hadn't seen together. And I wasn't expecting it to deliver as one of the most effective and one of my absolute favorite Mm -hmm. Argento movies. I was, I knew it was going to be good. It's I've heard, you know, great things about it, but I just didn't know it was like, Oh, I could talk about this in the same breath as Suspiria and my other favorites. I definitely did not expect to be as shocked. Yes. And like truly like, wow. Before I saw by the the horror and the gore. Yeah. Before I saw Suspiria for the first time, that's the one I always heard was shocking, you know, you know, banned in the UK, you know, X-rated, you know, horror. And then you see it, and sure, it's violent. Mm-hmm. Painted glass through neck, woman falling in barbed wire. But some, but it didn't shock me based on, you know, other stuff I've seen. Opera still had the power to shock me mm-hmm. and make me afraid of what I was about to see. If they've done this in the first 35 minutes, what are they going to do at the hour 35 minutes? What are they going to do for a finale? Mm-hmm. How bad is this going to keep getting? <laughs> What stuff am I going to have to keep watching? Right. Like, how sick are they going to get? That's That kind of stuff scares me. And I don't know if he's done it better in another one of his movies. This had that level of just gruesomeness mm-hmm. that I kept getting more and more scared of seeing, how far is this sicko going to take it? And for one of his sicko movies combined with one of his most beautiful movies, if we ever do an Argento list, opera is going to be really yeah. high for me. Argento list will have to be fun. We'll have to do bone up a little bit more, but we'll do one of those the more. By the time we've done a third Argento movie, we'll do okay. our Argento top okay. ten. I could see that. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So it'll yeah. happen. But yeah, I think it came to this. 
I think it did. What a what a great movie! If this. you're familiar with any Dario Argento movies, you really cannot go wrong anywhere in the '70s or '80s. A lot of them are on Amazon Prime. I was going right to say now. a bunch of them are on Amazon yeah. Prime, like Phenomena, this one, Deep Red, uh, a few of them, uh, other ones. But yeah, this... I mean, those three right there, Phenomena, Deep Red. If you are unfamiliar with Argento, I know a lot of you listening are familiar, but if you have not dove into Italian horror, or much, if you've been wanting to watch them again, they're out there. They're out there for free. They're all red like Christmas. <laughs> and uh you know it's the winter season so it feels appropriate look at some gorgeous uh, it's a good time people to... being knifed horribly yeah. it's a good time of the year to watch some argento for sure but it's wonderful how out there these movies are and how available they are to the to the eyeballs that want to see them it is a benefit of the modern world that we're getting to see movies like this presented to just mm-hmm. anybody i wouldn't have been able to find and see this movie when i was a kid just Tiny children could now just a, now a, this now up a young on child Prime. can queue up opera. <laughs> Who knows what other opera like? What old people are looking up on opera? Maybe this will sp- uh, you know create a whole new generation of opera nerds. I still want to know who opera people are, like opera theater kids. Yeah, I, I've known tons there, kids, of theater kids. I've never heard of an opera kid. They have to be out there. It maybe I've known just gymnast kids. I've knew an ice skater. I've never known an opera kid. I knew an ice skater. I knew an ice skater. Name was Shannon. Very competitive level of ice skating. Hates opera. No, <laughs> she never met an opera kid. No interest. So yeah, it came to this. It came Go to watch this. opera. I'm Eric. I'm Charlie. A good night. <laughs>